Welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty, an industry podcast for loyalty marketing professionals. I'm your host, Paula Thomas, and if you work in loyalty marketing, join me every week to learn the latest ideas from loyalty specialists around the world. This episode is brought to you by Epsilon and their award-winning People Cloud loyalty solution. Epsilon is now offering my listeners access to the Forrester Maturity Assessment, a 10-minute quiz that will help you assess your loyalty program across six key areas and receive recommendations on how to improve your approach. For more information and to take the quiz, visit emia.epsilon.com forward slash Let's Talk Loyalty. So welcome to this episode of Let's Talk Loyalty. And as listeners will know, this is our second year of the show. And because it's the second year, I wanted to, I suppose, go back to basics in many ways and really look at some of the underlying principles that are guiding the development of loyalty programs. And I guess it's inevitable in this particular pandemic and hopefully soon post-pandemic that there are a lot of things changing. So uh, the show, because it's called Let's Talk loyalty, I really believe gives us an opportunity to talk about, I suppose, the human emotions of loyalty beyond loyalty programs. And as a result, uh, today's guest is somebody who is no stranger to the industry and certainly is going to give us great insights on what's going on in the world at the moment. So, uh, Nathan Beaver is a partner at KPMG in London in the UK. So, first of all, let's say a quick hi to Nathan. Hi, Paula. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Great, great, great. And just for, for listeners, Nathan, I'll just explain that I saw you speaking on another conference um, recently uh, called AI Conferences. And a lot of the uh, the research work I know that KPMG has been doing is really to understand uh, the new customer so you've got some amazing research you're going to share with us, Nathan. And the word I think that just landed very much for me was trust. Yeah. And um, and in fact, actually, KPMG is the first company that I've had on the show for a second time. Um, so we, we did do a, an episode way back here with KPMG in the Southern Gulf, as, as you know. Um, but listen, before we get into all of the amazing work that you've done recently from a research perspective, Nathan, tell us first and foremost, what is your favorite loyalty statistic? Oh, that's a good, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> I've got a couple, but my favorite is, is probably that the average household is enrolled in 29 loyalty schemes, Ooh. but actively only engages with 12 of those. Oh my goodness. Wow. Yeah. You know what? Uh, you're actually not the first person to, to quote that one, Nathan, but it's it's because of the power that I think it comes up actually uh, from time to time. And it always makes me feel like, uh, you know, a little bit of a failure, <laughs> you know, if only half of these are, are delivering any any uh, any results. But anyway, plenty of opportunities to improve. So um, tell us, um, for, you know, what is your overall professional background and how did you end up doing this kind of work with KPMG? Yeah, so um, so I spent my entire career in what you might most easily call the front office, but fundamentally everything that I've really focused on historically and continue to do going forward is, is in all in a, is in a market where you know we all compete in highly commodity and highly competitive spaces. Any mm. organisation is really going to differentiate on their brand 
on their value mm. proposition and on their customer experience. So that is everything mm. I do is how do you help an organization differentiate its position, yeah. its product, yeah. its experience in the market? And then secondly, especially yeah. these days, how do you now digitally connect and transform the organization around the customer to really realize that that market differentiation? Mm, okay. So um, I guess, you know, there's probably, you're, you're probably not getting very much sleep at the moment as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing. <laughs> not, um, not in the world yeah. where we as consumers have, have uh, had probably one of the most profound behavioral shifts since probably the 1950s. Um, yeah. In terms of how we engage with brands, how we engage with organizations, the channels we're using. And then more importantly, yeah. the fact is that, you know, this behavioral change is going to get ingrained because, you know, the world in which we all find ourselves today isn't going to change anytime soon. So yeah. when we do return to whatever we define as a new normal, um, yeah. I still believe that we will predominantly take forward a lot of the behaviors that we're ingraining in ourselves yeah. today. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's almost like we are we are learning a new way of being. Um, and actually, one of the statistics from these reports that we're going mm. to discuss really struck me, Nathan, where you basically said 91% of consumers do not want to return to a pre-COVID world. That was incredible to read. It's huge. And then part of the reason for that is what, what people have realized, I guess, is, is two things. So one is... Um, Everyone is now questioning their purpose in life, um, but but part of within that questioning and, and addressing their own kind of yeah. um, health, what they want from life. But the, yeah. the second part that we have seen is um, why people don't want to return to a, a pre-COVID world is just the degree of channel shift that's gone on and how you know, most consumers, I think we had a stat that's about 89% of customers are now engaging with new channels for them, which, you know, for mm -hmm. many is digital versus a branch or a, or a store yeah. or some kind of physical location. And 83% yeah. who shifted are now staying within that channel. So, wow. uh, you know, if you've, if you've moved from, you know, your daily visit to the, the branch to now, you know, yeah. fully engaging with an organization through online, mm. why, why would you want to go back? So you've, You've realized that, you know, that yeah. channel works. You've realized yeah. that there's trust and security in that channel. And yeah. then you realize that actually you've now created more time for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And time is an incredibly valuable and precious resource, as we all know. So you're absolutely right. I'm seeing more and more people kind of going, why did I ever spend two or three hours on a train every day? Do you know, so, um, you know, it is a, a very profound shift. So you've done two um, pretty huge pieces of research, I think, mm. is what I can see, Nathan. So one is called Meet Your New Customer. And the second one is called Customer Connections. And I know all of the listeners to the show can get access access to all of those. So maybe just tell us a bit about those two pieces of research and what's mm -hmm. coming through. Yeah. So um, the foundation of both of those is fundamentally how we've been tracking consumer sentiment and changes in, in demand and changes in behavior um, mm. pre, during, and I'd like to say post-COVID, but it's really pre and during <laughs> yeah. COVID. Um, yeah. And what we are seeing, I guess, from a new customer perspective is the emergence of different values, different behaviors, different needs. And at the mm. core of all of this, though, and that this is not just the UK perspective, but we're seeing across pretty much every market, is this drive mm. towards an integrity economy um, yeah. that requires businesses to really deliver yeah. their products, their services anchored on trust. Um, mm. Now, in the short term, this is all about safety. So, you know, whether you're dining out, um, yeah. 
whether yeah. you know you're actually going back to the workplace then it's very much around health and safety of the consumer or the employee but in the yeah. longer term it's very much back to this question of purpose um, mm. and this people purpose planet above profit question um, mm. that customers want to see and want to engage with an organization that stands for much more than they have done before um, mm. and that really does create a large question, I guess, for the um, audience of this podcast in terms of now, you know, mm. as an organization, they work for moving towards and increasing their focus on purpose. What, mm. what does that mean for the loyalty schemes in the future? Mm. You know, we, well, yeah. That's exactly what was coming through, Nathan. So I think you're right. And the reason I said that the the whole trust economy um, insight really landed with me is that's exactly how I personally feel. Mm. And I'm trying to understand how does it impact the loyalty programs that I'm advising and again, people listening to this program. So so what challenges do you think the loyalty market is is facing right now? Uh, it's, an, it's a great question because loyalty schemes don't always equate to having loyal customers. Mm, um, I think yeah. a lot of loyalty programs are guilty of rewarding customers and not necessarily making them more loyal. And especially mm. over the years and um, increasingly at the moment as brands and the bonds between the brand of cons- br- the bond between brands and consumers are increasingly yeah. slipping and changing. So yeah. the question now comes to the loyalty program, which is the loyalty program has historically maybe put too much emphasis on economic points or economic vouchers in return for mm. purchases mm. And, and sharing of mm. personal data. Mm. The, the challenge now for loyalty programs becomes two parts, really, for me. So one is, what is the mm. role of the loyalty program in the value exchange question? Mm-hmm. And what is the role of the loyalty program in supporting the broader organization's Mm. strategic focus and direction around purpose and around mm. trust and around integrity and how does and how do loyalty programs support the yeah. organizations in achieving that mm-hmm. and and can I ask mm. you how are you seeing that with your clients I mean I don't know any of your clients by name and we don't need to really but you know I have said on this podcast certainly in the last two or three months Nathan that I really believe that the loyalty programs are really elevating um, to board level prominence um, whereas before it might have been you know fairly isolated and, and running you know perhaps successfully um, you know in the marketing department but it sounds like you're here and seeing that it's becoming a core part of the business? It is for, for many organizations, especially in a world where increasingly customers, or especially in this kind of post-COVID world, that mm. purchase decisions are now based on value for money, ease of buying, and trust in the brand. The role mm. of the loyalty program is underpinning all of that, which is mm. if, a, if, a, um, if a customer is looking for value for money from a product, what makes mm. them turn left to one product which has got value for money versus right to another product with value for money? And that mm. becomes the question, the challenge for the organization, which is therefore, how do I wrap up my product and service with yeah. not only my experience, but with tools like my loyalty program that is a way of driving that repeat customer purchase, that repeat advocacy? So the mm. loyalty program is becoming a key differentiator to support an organization in driving customers to kind of their app, their website, their retail store. But the other Mm. element that loyalty programs are able to give now is because of that broader ecosystem and partnership network that most loyalty programs are increasingly using, Mm. the use of, you know, third party 
um, third-party partnerships who are focused on charity, who are focused on engaging mm. into community, mm. into society and allowing consumers to be able to redeem points, redeem vouchers, yeah. you know, redeem outcomes through those societal charity and local yeah. organizations, for me, yeah. becomes part of your differentiation, um, mm. not just a traditional loyalty program of so many points equals a discount or a free product, yeah. but allowing consumers yeah. the choice to to spend on the things that matter to them in the mm-hmm. communities and in the local society that is local yeah. and personalized to them. Mm. Yeah, and actually, that's that's the the kind of language, Nathan, that we use a lot um, as loyalty specialists, or or dare I say, experts. Um, it's the differentiation between the transactional loyalty and the emotional loyalty. And again, I know there's a lot of you know very well intentioned brands like you know that we're all you know looking to do something, you know, through a CSO program, for example, in the past, where you know there's definitely um, a realization that it's important to give back, but. But I think what we we are seeing more and more of is the um, the principles of both charity and community coming through as essential pillars of of a loyalty program. Is that fair to say? Oh, a hundred percent, hundred percent. I couldn't 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 agree more. And um, wow, you know, you're not only seeing that in loyalty programs in terms of what we as consumers, you know, having our wallet have on our phone, but you're also yeah. seeing that also seeing that in as employees. As increasingly organizations are, you know, not only what purpose they stand for, but allowing and engaging with their employees around giving them the opportunity to engage with, you know, causes, communities Mm. that are important for the employee. And so what Mm. that's doing is, you know, is creating employee loyalty, um, not just, you know, what we're seeing as a trend in the consumer market. Yeah. And do you think this is happening globally, Nathan? I, I'm not sure if these two reports, you might talk to us about the reports themselves, but are they UK specific or are they um, in, in multiple markets? So multiple markets. So we cover, um, I think we cover now more than 25 markets globally. So, you know, okay. this this trend around um, integrity and purpose is ubiquitous whether you know i'm on the west coast of the us somewhere in europe or or down in apac um Mm. what an organization stands for and my role as a consumer in understanding recognizing that and valuing that is the key Mm. challenge that everyone's trying to overcome at the moment Mm. Yeah, and it's almost hard to come up with uh, with good examples. And I'm going to put you on the spot and ask: Do you have any loyalty programs in your own mind, either historically or even in the UK market at the moment, that you do think are doing loyalty well? Um, so for me, the the best program I've seen, and there's quite a few around, but one which I think most people will be familiar with is probably the Hilton one. Okay. Um, and and why and what have Hilton done to to make their loyalty program not not necessarily saying it's the best in the world, but better than mm. many is they've done a mm. few different things well. And and for me, those things are number one is they they've been clear and they've thought about what does it mean for me as a consumer as I engage with a loyalty program. What do I want from it? So they offer me the ability to be able to personalize that. So I get much Mm. more personalized rewards. I get much more content relevant and personalized to me. 
They're very mm. good at moving you up through the initial rankings of mm-hmm. um, status, which feels progressive as a, as a user. Um, mm-hmm. They've really applied elements of gamification in that to try and adjust and change consumer behavior. Um, yeah. They've made the, the redemptions accessible. I think too often many of us have engaged with loyalty programs, which, you know, yeah. which we'd have to win the local lottery and spend all of that <laughs> before being eligible for, you know, a, yeah. a, an iPod or a Walkman or a, or even yeah. a modern iPad. Um, and so they've <laughs> done really well for me at making those redemptions accessible, but also opening those up to a broader partner network. So okay. whilst they do want to keep you within the Hilton ecosystem, they still yeah. also recognize that, back to my yeah. other point, that consumers want yeah. to spend on the things that are important to them and they yeah. give you that option uh, and yeah. ability to do so. Okay. Yeah. I love that actually. And I've been using this word quite uh, frequently, Nathan, um, which I think is what you're talking about with Hilton, which is the liquidity of points. Mm. Um, So my favorite example I read recently that um, there's a huge e-commerce store in Japan called Rakuten. Mm -hmm. Um, It's essentially like the the Amazon of Japan and you can use your Rakuten rewards points in 600,000 merchants in Japan. So that's something that I think we can all definitely learn from. Um, So I think anyone listening, you know, if there is a way to form partnerships, it certainly sounds like something that's come through in Mm. your research. And I also loved your point about the accessibility. And uh, I do a lot of writing about loyalty programs, as I think you know. And I remember when Starbucks Rewards last year, in fact, when they uh, made a lot of changes, I think mainly in the UK market, uh, sorry, in the US market, probably the UK as well. But I know that you can get like, for example, a, a shot of flavor in your car coffee as a, as a reward, which is obviously super accessible. I'm not sure how many um, Starwoods, um, Starbucks rewards you need to get that or stars, um, but it is definitely a very accessible reward. So lots coming through. Um, you probably stay in a lot of Hilton's. So, uh, so that's, that's really good. You I do. think we all, <laughs> well, that's true. I know. Are you going back to the office at all actually? How's, uh, so how's I, keeping... In the last couple of weeks, I've been in a couple of times uh, and okay. I'm in again later this week. So um, okay. I think for like for many, I think we've um, we've all I know for me personally, you know, enjoyed the opportunity to spend more time at home with the family. Um, yeah. But I think just a variety of environment. Looking forward to just kind of a bit more travel, just to create a little bit more stimulus. And I think uh, as interesting yeah. as the room I find myself based in, you know, a, <laughs> of a, a change of scenery would be quite nice occasionally. Absolutely. So I'm just going to summarize, I suppose, mm. what I learned from uh, from reading through the the research. Um, I suppose the, the 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 quick summary is, you know, the new customer spelled with a capital N and capital C um, is digitally savvy value conscious and principled. And you also talk talk a lot about the ease of interaction. Is that something you see directly connected with the uh, the COVID um, situation as well, Nathan? Or is that something that was increasingly coming through anyway in your research? So it was coming through anyway. And, and for many organizations, and you looked in this, Paula, it's just accelerated it. So to my earlier yeah. point, which is, um, you know, COVID has accelerated the channel shift uh, mm. for, for most consumers and, and for most organizations are now struggling mm. to respond to that um, because mm. they have a business that's geared up to deliver a demand model, a channel demand model that, that looks different from the demand model that they now have today. So mm-hmm. a lot of the work that we're doing is, is helping organizations do two things really. One is that, that shift of 
um, capability to be able to respond to the new channel and then the, the scaling up and industrialization of that because, A, that channel is not going away anytime soon and the demand within that, but mm. also, B, which is um, during early stages of COVID, um, as consumers, we were quite nice. We, we were quite happy or we didn't mind too much if the parcel that was going to arrive on Saturday morning didn't arrive till Tuesday. We, we took the bigger mm. picture, but we've mm -hmm. already ricocheted back to our pre-COVID levels of expectation and demand. And so um, the challenge for most organizations is that consumers have now carried those into the channels through which they're now engaging. So we've mm. got a, a demand and an expectation that we want and a, with organizations that are you know, scrabbling to respond and, and deliver to that. Wonderful, wonderful. And I suppose my favourite uh, part, just to, to recap, is um, everything anchored in trust. Everything anchored in trust. It is the right to play um, yeah. before you've got a right to win. Um, okay. And organisations that, that struggle to do that, we, you know, and for yeah. many, you know, you'll see that in the market, those who have um, prioritised profit over people, um, mm -hmm. have seen both the sentiment for their brand as well mm. as then the subsequent kind of economic return really decline. Mm. Absolutely. So I suppose I'm going to wrap it up now, Nathan. So um, just from your side, if you mm -hmm. could, I suppose, just sum up one thought that you'd like to leave the audience with today, as uh, I suppose we are spending a lot of money on our loyalty programs. <laughs> what do you think we should be thinking about um, from your perspective? Um, so for me, be mindful of the trends of the new customer that is emerging um, mm -hmm. through and, and ultimately in the end post-COVID. Um, mm. Recognize that, you know, consumers and customers, we will shop around and we will remain fickle. So be mm -hmm. clear about, number one, the segments that you've got emerging and mm -hmm. what triggers will make them shop and engage with the brand that loyal loyalty program is underpinning. So those mm. new segments and those new behaviors require you to think a little bit differently. Two mm. is those new experiences as well as the new products and services mm. are resulting in your customers changing their values and needs. Mm -hmm. And then finally, technology. Technology is there to make life easier and to make it mm. simpler for customers mm -hmm. to purchase, engage. So think about mm. how you use uh, fundamentally take advantage of the digital channel shift. Customers have digitally channel shifted build on yeah. the opportunity, um, make yeah. it easy for them per to purchase, make it easy for them to engage. And then ultimately you'll move to a position where you're not mm. just rewarding your customers, but you're mm. making them more loyal. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That's the bottom line. And I've mentioned the two reports already, Nathan, um, that we're going to make sure we link to in the show notes. I believe you have more research coming online in September as well that our listeners can access. Yeah. So we um, we published um, last month the annual report on the top performing um, customer experience brands in the UK. And in September, we will then release the global report. So It'll help organisations really understand who are the high-performing customer experience mm. organisations in their market, or more mm. importantly, the markets in which they're looking to enter into, yeah. and therefore uh, the bar that has been set in that market, and therefore what you have to compete and deliver against. Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, plenty of fascinating information there, Nathan. Um, anything else you want to mention about new customers or KPMG before we wrap up? No, just want a, a big thanks to you, Paula, for having me on and uh, thanks, for the, thanks for the questions. And uh, no, really looking forward to uh, 
to carrying on the conversation in the market around loyalty. It's um, it's a huge topic and uh, quite frankly, a topic that every organization is dealing with, struggling to deal with, or in many cases, being successful at deal with, dealing with. Wonderful. So Nathan Beaver, partner at KPMG UK, thank you so much from Let's Talk Loyalty. This show is sponsored by The Wise Marketeer, the world's most popular source of loyalty marketing news, insights, and research. The Wise Marketeer also offers loyalty marketing training through its Loyalty Academy, which has already certified over 170 executives in 20 countries as certified loyalty marketing professionals. For more information, check out thewisemarketeer.com and loyaltyacademy.org. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Loyalty. If you'd like me to send you the latest show each week, simply sign up for the show newsletter on letstalkloyalty.com and I'll send you the latest episode to your inbox every Thursday. Or just head to your favorite podcast platform, find Let's Talk Loyalty and subscribe. Of course, I'd love your feedback and reviews and thanks again for supporting the show.